Good evening, LCM. Good evening. Tonight is July 7th, 2022. We have a special word for you this evening that is aimed towards you leaving this building with a new fire, a holy fire in your eyes. We've been wrestling through these precious words that have been given to this body over the past week. And what we did is we pinned down on uh, OneNote, but back in the day they used to do this on paper. We, we wrote these things down that impacted our lives and how they're being transformed. And we want to talk about that tonight. Is it okay with you if we preach our hearts out? That's all right with you? Will you join us in committing to staying in this sanctuary until we reach a breakthrough and we feel the affirmation of our Father? Are you committed to that? Look, tonight we are committed not to using fanciful homiletics, high-tech pyrotechnics, or emotional gimmicks to persuade you. We are committed to fully allowing the Lord to stir up our spirits in this moment so that God himself yeah. can renew our hearts so that we might be able to say, like King David said, zeal for your house consumes yeah. me. So we are moved. We are inspired. We're stirred up by what God is doing in this house. And our only goal is that you would join us in that. Are you willing, church? Are you ready, church? Are you, are you already moved in your soul? Then let's start with Hebrews 2, picking up in verse 1. As you're turning there, we want you to say, light the fire again. And newsflash, that is actually the sermon title. Light the fire again. You've come to this building possibly as a smoldering wick. But we are stirred up by the living God and determined to lean our shoulder into your smolder and ask the Lord to light the fire once again. All right, are you still in Hebrews 2? Hebrews 2, verse 1 through 2. We must pay more careful attention, yeah. therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Church, the aim of our time tonight will be focused on leaving the building, paying more careful attention so that we do not drift. Yeah. We are realizing as a body that time is short. Not saying that something dire or untimely is being predicted in that statement. But that God is revealing to us our lack of focus and attention to the things that we have already heard and he is demanding us as a body to correct our focus. Amen. With that said, time is short. The yeah. king is calling tonight. He is sounding the voice of the prophets to warn us of our mission drift and laziness. Failure to heed the trumpeting voice of God in this hour will inevitably, totally, and ultimately lead to drifting away. You know, the most pressing concern about this passage is realizing what you've already heard. Church, we have so many things that we've received, and what that means is we are responsible for them. What do I mean? Mezuzahs, 12 gates, family banner, seven core principles of life-changing ministries, the Remember series, prayer through the tabernacle, maximizing marriages, perfecting parenting, securing Singles, do you realize the vast wealth that has been given to us? The sad reality with this realization is that often it's under-realized, an under-realized fact that those things have been given, more, uh, we've been given, we are actually more responsible for, but oftentimes we don't treat them as an ever-increasing responsibility. And usually the trend amongst fallible servants of God, like us, is that the more we are given, the more we see promises fulfilled, the more we experience mission drift, and we fail to implement what allowed us to receive the promises in the first place. So you can already see the mission drift that has occurred just in these areas with a brief reflection. Now insert this example into your own marriages. Do you remember how excited you were about getting married? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, there we go. Got your attention now. Do you remember how you were always... You, you thought to yourself you were always going to be strong and leading. Oh, yeah. You were never going to be weak. You were always going to be unfazed by any difficulty that life threw at you. Mm, going to be perfect. And then, like you, 
one day I got married. I felt so proud at that moment, but began to drift when I failed to implement the zeal and fire for the Lord that allowed me to receive the promise of marriage in the first place. The only way to fix this mission drift is to ask God to light the fire again. Yeah. Only He, only the Lord can stir your spirit that you have cooled down by apathy, laziness, and frivolous distractions. But failure to ask the God of heaven to light the fire will cause a drift that was only minor in the beginning to completely reroute you on a slow drift to a new destination, which in that end is destruction. Let's move to the law of God and begin to revisit the warnings of God against this mission drift. Okay, turn to Deuteronomy 6, and we're going to pick up in verse 10 and read through verse 12. Light the fire again. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant, then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord. Who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. We do not want to forget how much the Lord has led you, church. We do not want to forget that. That's why we're bringing it up tonight. Our goal is not to highlight areas that you've, you've had mission drift and just leave you there. We are determined to not leaving this house tonight until the fire of God is lit again. Just like the first day you got married. Or the first day that you held your child in your hands. It is crucial that we take a sober look at the areas of our lives that we've been drifting from our original conviction and ask the Father very simply, Father, light the fire again. Light the fire again in my heart. Now, the saddest part of our entire human existence is that when we are surrounded by large land, houses and good things, we sit back and think, okay, I'm, uh, I'm good now. I've got this. I can sit back for a while and I can coast. But no, you actually still have a task when you receive those blessings, when you receive those promises. These things were given to you for something to be done. The truth is, is that it is only the Lord. By staying attached to the Lord and asking him over and over, light the fire again, it is only him that can save us from our own internal tendency to grow cold. Yeah. That is a reality that is in every person sitting in this room, an internal tendency to grow cold towards the things of God. Only Adonai can save us from mission drift. And we would all do well to remember the Lord, remember what he's done in the past for us, remember the miraculous things that he's done for each and every one of us, and acknowledge his sovereign hand that has been graciously leading us the entire time. Forgetfulness in this area will lead to mission drift. Now, for those who were with us on Tuesday for Foundations, we'll remember that we challenged everyone. Say everyone. everyone. We challenged everyone to take three months, roughly the time between now and the One Association Conference. And we asked that you actively search for areas that have lost their luster in your lives. This is why we are bringing this word to you tonight. We want to have our fires ignited once again, just like they were at first, but in yeah. an even greater measure so that we can move on. So are you still with us, church? Yeah. You want to do one more scripture? Yeah. Let's go to the end. Revelation chapter 2. And we're going to read in the ESV verse 2. This is the address to the church in Ephesus. It says, I know your works your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil. But you have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. Wow. So far, these saints sound like they are on the straight and narrow. Their commendations are noteworthy, and anyone would be flattered to have these things said about them, right? Would you like to have those things said about you? Yeah. 
But let's read verse 4. But I have this against you. (laughs) That you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen. Repent. And do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. It's amazing that from the Torah all the way to the end of the Bible, which spans nearly 1,600 years, the prophets had to warn the people over and over and over again against mission drift. There's a unique truth in this passage that we want to hone in on. In the Ephesians church, which, by the way, had the best pastors and elders, had drifted to an outward expression of work and faith, but inwardly had stalled due to insidious internal opposition. Listen to the rebuke. You have abandoned the love you had at first. We are intentionally chose, chose this translation because others have said things like, you have forgotten your first love. Well, that sounds very much like you left a first girlfriend and you just moved on. You've abandoned the first love you had at first is something entirely different. You didn't just leave a love and then move on to something else. It's the intensity and the zeal and the love that you had the day you began. And that's what we want the Lord to relight in our hearts again. See, in the Ephesian church, they didn't just simply leave their first love. They were persevering. They were doing everything outwardly. They were still serving the Messiah, their first love. But there's something deeper inside them that had happened. They were serving the Messiah while they had left the love they had at first when they started. Essentially what's going on is that this church had gotten good at outwardly doing what they should. But without the fire, the zeal, the love, and the passion that they first worked in when they started the work. Man. Any of us say the same thing about us? So good at doing what must be done. So good at showing up to church. So good at saying yes sir, no sir to the pa- yes sir, no sir to the pastors. And yet inwardly we have left a love that we had had at first. All church. Jesus demanded them. Repent. That's all he said. Repent. Or else he will come and remove the lampstand. Remember that what we are building he will walk through. Messiah is the one who walks among the, the seven golden lampstands. Those lampstands represent the churches. And he is showing up personally and he is examining what we are building and not just what we're building, how we build it. What attitude we're building it in. What kind of zeal we have while we're building it. What kind of motivation we have while we're building it. And just like you husbands in the room, he doesn't just want his wife to obey. He doesn't want rote, ritual, mindless obedience. He wants obedience with the love that's attached to that obedience because he cares about how he receives his obedience. We must ask God to light the fire on our hearts again. Do you need it, church? Yes. Do you want it, church? Yes. The Matthew 6, 33-34 is going to light ablaze our understanding of what it actually means to ask and pray for that. This is what Matthew 6.33 says. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I can tell you as a man who loves Matthew 6.33, I cannot find myself reading it too much. Nor can I find myself preaching about it too much, which is why I'm sharing it with you again tonight. So to ask God to light the fire again means that we are asking God to burn up any other priority that we are placing before the kingdom. Lord, I'm seeking your kingdom first. That means I have some baggage that I need you to burn up because there are priorities in my life that supersede you in so many areas. It's not shameful to admit that you have areas that have superseded God's priority in your life. 
That's how we repent. Which is the one who you're seeking said you must do. Repent or I will come and take your lampstand. If we can seek his kingdom first, then we won't be afraid to say, I have priorities in my life that need to die and they're dying right now because I am seeking your kingdom right now. But let's be honest. Not many are brave enough to have the Lord light the altars of their heart. Because it is fire. It is holy fire. And what happens in fire, church? Things get burnt up. Many would rather choose to prioritize their own self-directed thoughts or opinions. Their own way of doing things. Many would choose to prioritize comfort or popularity or attention. Which oftentimes is why you don't repent. Because you think it will tarnish your reputation. But what a lie. The greatest men that I know and I look up to are the ones who repent the best. It's why I've devoted my life to following them. Saints, it's going to require some bravery to ask God to do this again. Which let me, let me foreshadow the altar call. That's what we're going to do. We're going to stand as a body and say, Lord, light the fire again that we might have the love and the zeal that we had at first. Yeah. We started this race placing the kingdom first in everything that we did. Now at this time, many of us have advanced from the starting line and have taken up other priorities in our hearts along the way. But we will not stop. We will not cower. We will not give up once the blazing truth of God reveals the condition of our heart. We must be brave and have the fire of God burn up all other priorities, and it needs to be done tonight. Amen. Come on, are you going to be brave tonight? Yeah. Do you have the bravery to look at another passage on this topic? Yeah. Turn with us to Acts chapter 5, verse 1 through 4. And again, we're reading in the ESV. But a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Yeah. Only a part of it. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself parts of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it? That you have contrived this deed in your heart. You have not lied to man, but to God. Church, it's clear in this passage that Ananias kept back for himself something that belonged to God. There was another priority working in Ananias and Sapphira's heart. And the sobering truth about it is that they did not realize it until it was too late. It had deceived them right up until the point when Peter rebukes them, and at that moment, it was too late. It is all too easy to have another priority in your life that's above Christ and his kingdom and not know it until it's revealed in the moment. For Ananias and Sapphira, it showed up in money. But let's be honest. Have you made some decisions or harbored some self-created priorities that cause you to be selective in your transparency and cause your, you to proclaim full devotion to this body while already planning to withhold some things in your life for yourself? That's an Ananias problem. Ananias thought he was lying against man. He thought he was lying to man. He thought he was only withholding from man. The truth is, is that none of you are lying to any of us. When you hold priorities above Christ, you're not lying to anybody in this room. You might think you are. You might be able to deceive others into thinking your priorities are right, but you're not lying to them. You are actually lying to God by withholding your full devotion, and God knows it. God knows that there are priorities that are not set right. Now, the truth is, there are many amazing callings in this life, in the, and there are many amazing callings and lives in this room. And unfortunately for Ananias, he traded the amazing opportunity to give all and complete his task for what he could prioritize for himself. He missed out on joining the body in that regard because he wanted to hold back and prioritize for himself. If this stings a little bit, we're bringing it up because it is actually happening in our lives. We also know that it's happening in many of your lives, which is why we're sharing it with you. We are not going to stay here, though, church. 
We're going to ask the God of heaven to light the fire again so we don't fall into these apathetic tendencies like Ananias and Sapphira. We're actually going to make a turn on mission drift. We're going to make a turn on misplaced priorities tonight. It's because the time has come. And the hour is now. now. How do we know? Because God has revealed it to us through his word. Come on. We have too much ahead of us to go another day without being absolutely on fire for the Lord. Where our lives have been dimmed to a smolder, we are going to ask God to light the fire again. And what are we going to do? We're going to go right back to work. Church, you are made for the work. And only Christ can help you understand your role in it. Your personal self-disciplines are not enough to bring you to completion. Your own wisdom and strength are not enough to rescue you in the day of trouble. Your bank account cannot bail you out of sinful captivity. Our, on your own, church, on your own strength, you cannot save your marriage. On your own strength, you cannot save your children. You cannot revive your call. You cannot complete the work on your own. You cannot relight the fires of your soul. Church, hear us on this. Only Yeshua, your king, can do this. The one who is all in all can relight the fires of your heart if you just ask him and stop trying to do it on your own strength. Tonight, we're calling out to him to light the fire again so we can get back to what Ephesians 2.10 says we are. All right, turn with us to Ephesians 2.10. This scripture is going to light our hearts ablaze. Yeah. Light our hearts ablaze for the king and what he's actually calling us to do. The reason the warnings are going out from the men of God that are preaching in this church is because we have the potential to do amazing things for the kingdom. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Church, this is an amazing passage that we all too often forget about. We read it, we understand it, we conceptualize it, but we actually forget what it means for us sitting in these seats right now. Church, realize that there are 7 billion people on this planet. Most of them have rejected the call of God or have not heard the call of God. You probably know Personally, many who have rejected the call. But you haven't. As you sit here tonight, realize that you have a call. And you have works that are prepared in advance for you to do. Let that sink in. One, you've got works prepared in advance for you to do. Ray, you've got works prepared in advance for you. God singled you out. One in seven billion. You're here. You have works to do. God chose you, church. He chose this body collectively, and he chose you individually to be here a part of the collective body. And in advance, he has set a special and unique task for you to accomplish. Carlos can do things that I can't do, and he is called to do things that I'm not called to do. His calling is special and unique. Damon has a special and unique calling that God has set in advance for him to do. But church, what would it look like? Ask yourselves, what would it look like if we killed mission drift once and for all? If we put to death all other priorities and focused on the unique task that he has already given you. Oh, what would it look like, church, if we did that? This is our inspiration, church, that the king of the universe has selected you and he has given you a task. And knowing this should propel us onward to want to fulfill that task i was born to do this the king gave it to me therefore i am propelled i must do this because it's mine we're going to keep going and we're going to read first corinthians 3 4 through 5 when you realize that god has ordained a special task for you let me tell you what's going to die in some of the husbands in the room if you ever wrestle with the thought that someone else could be a better priest for your home 
or if you were just a better husband, man, what a lie. You were designed for that position, and there's not a man on the earth or will there ever be that can fulfill that position. You are specifically designed to do it. Stop self-deprecating. That is your position. That is your tile, and you wear it with pride. And God will empower you. He will light the fire again and again and again, and I can promise you, you will not fail. 1 Corinthians 3, picking up in verse 4. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos. Are Are you not mere men? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants, through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task. The knowledge that our God given task is glorious. It is the prophylaxis. It is the cure all for mission drift and misplaced priorities. The knowledge that our God given task is unique. Protects us from comparing our task to someone else's tasks. Let this knowledge light your hearts ablaze tonight. You do not need to sit and wallow about how inglorious your task seems. Your task is unique, and the body would be incomplete without you. There's some men in the room that need to be looking up at me. This body would be incomplete without you sitting in these seats. Without your family In this body, it would be incomplete because God created you for the position that you stand in, and it is glorious. What would it look like if each man, woman, and child, they were secure in their unique task, and they ran with it? Church, we will no longer view our task as insignificant. We will view it as unique, ordained for us. We will no longer view our task as lesser than anyone else's. We will view it as handed down by God just for us. This revelation should merit the same tone and attitude that Paul had in 2 Timothy 2, picking up in verse 3. 2 Timothy 2, verse 3 says, Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. What does he want to do, church? Oh, he wants to please his commanding officer realizing that your call is unique realizing that your task is special and that you are hand selected by the commanding officer the king of the universe all that ought to inspire you to want to please him in every area of your life you ought to be able to look up and say you chose me therefore i'm going to give you everything because you are my commander you now have a mission where previously your mission drifted. You got your eyes off the commander for a little bit. You got your eyes off of your unique task. But now that you're realizing my task is unique and the commander who called me is glorious, your mission is back in your hands. Your commander has bestowed on you something that he wants done. Church, there's something that the commander wants done, and it can only come from your hands. That's why you're here. That's why he called you. And therefore, our only aim is to please him in every way, to give him the one thing that he wants from us, the one thing he called us for. And it's our task to complete in him. We need to work towards fully understanding that what God has entrusted to us should fill us with joy and a sense of holy responsibility. There ought to be light in our eyes, smiles and joy, because we know we're marching together, serving the king. God could have given the blessing of our stations, our work, our families to anyone else amongst the world. But you know who he chose? He chose us, church. He chose you despite your failures, despite your worst days, which he already knew about in advance. He knew about your failures in advance while he was preparing works for you to do in advance. Despite your failures... He still is beckoning you to come tonight and take your position. He could have removed your call and discharged you from the service. And yet, here you are. Come on. We want to revisit an old gym that's going to stir you, church. This is the life of a DCD. It's written by C.T. Studd nearly 100 years ago. We can look out at the believers in this room, and we can see that the DCD spirit... It's still alive. 
In August 1914, the British soldiers were caught, few in number, unprepared, handicapped the utter, uttermost. So few they need not be shot. Just march over them, said German Kaiser. They could not possibly win, those few contemptibles. But they could and would fight, aye, and they would die. And so gain time for others to come and fight and die. And others, and yet others, <clears throat> as those British soldiers at Ciudad Rodrigo and Badajos flung themselves on the bayonets of the Chev de Fris, that means horse of the enemy, and died to enable their fellows to storm into, the, storm into and take the fortress over their dying or dead bodies. So also did the contemptibles. And others devote themselves to death, that their king and country might survive and conquer. And that their families should not suffer a hell on earth through the vile debauchery of the enemy. The contemptibles were few, but they had the DCD spirit. Amen. Others caught that spirit and handed it on to those behind. Thus, they all, with a DCD mind, marched and fought like a searing flame. And dying, called to the host behind, come on, play up and play the game. Church, they were just a few contemptibles like us, with a spirit in them that compelled them to risk it all. This is who we are. We are faced with the greatest calling ahead of us. And we will always have those oppositions that we get to overcome together. The writing continues. So they fought. Yeah. And so they died. And so they won the war for us. How did they do it? They were DCDs. That is the spirit of the heroes of God in the Bible. That is what the unbelieving world requires of every true Christian. That is the spirit our own consciences demand of us. Unless, forsooth, we have the hearts and consciences of poltroons. That is the spirit of Moses, the spirit of David and Daniel and the prophets of the Maccabees and of John the Baptist. That is the spirit of the Christ and his apostles. That is the only mate fit for the holy conquering spirit of God. He will never mate with any other, nor through other do his mighty works. And with no other spirit can this rebellious, devil-driven world ever be evangelized. Let's keep going. You know, there's something about reading an old gym like this that reminds me of the love that I had at first, because this was one of the first things that was read to me when I decided I wanted to be a disciple of LCM. But let's continue. Yes, but how describe this spirit, this attitude? Can we call it the Tommy Atkins spirit? No, that does not describe it sufficiently. We must go to the root of the matter. Well, ask the officers, what is the Tommy, spirit of Tommy Atkins that makes him unconquerable? For the field marshal to, to the last joined sub, subaltern, all to a man say the same. We know the thing well enough, but who can describe it? Ask the sergeant major. Now, the sergeant major had trained Tommy Atkins, so he knows and replies, well, sirs, it's this way. Tommy don't care a damn what happens to him. So long as he does his duty by his king, his country, his regiment, and himself. Ah, oh, yes. That's the thing. That's the very thing. The only way to describe it. He don't care a damn about what happens to himself so long as. Ah, that's it. That's what we need and we must have. A DCD doesn't care a damn what happens to himself. So long as our Lord Jesus Christ is glorified. Yes, which makes the greater demand of its soldiers, the British Empire or that of Christ, the King of England or of the universe. Church, this is the attitude that we need in this hour. When the prophets of God are sounding the trumpet voice and saying, it is time to get to work on the house of God. This is the attitude that we must have, church. We don't care a damn about our own lives. We don't care a damn about our own wills. 
We don't care a damn about our emotions as long as we complete the task that the king has given us. Yeah. We need a renewal tonight in our spiritual, spiritual vigor and our holy zeal. Such a renewal would eliminate all concern for this world and spur us and our brothers on to completion of the task. We wouldn't rest with an uncompleted task. We would march on even if it cost our lives. Church, you can call out tonight. And Adonai will light the fire again. Yes. He will restore the DCD spirit inside of you. Now listen to Paul's own words on this very same DCD attitude. Did you know Paul wrote about it? Yeah. It's found in Acts 20, verse 22 through 24. Acts 20, picking up in 22. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete, complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Church, we want to show you a slide to break down a few of the Greek words that Paul is using in this passage. We're going to highlight verse 24 where it says, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. The word for life here is the Greek word psyche, meaning breath, being, soul, feelings, desires, mind, heart, worth, meaning of costly value, precious, worthy of honor. Nothing means none, to no one, anyone. Finish is teleo, the culmination, the completion, to complete, to bring to an end, to reach the goal. Race is the course of life, the mission, and the task, meaning mission, assignment, role as an agent. I want to show you what it looks like to plug the meanings of these words back into the verse to form a more amplified version. This is Acts 20, 22 through 24, more amplified. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem. you got to say that with, with some confidence. I yeah. am going to Jerusalem. Not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Oh, poor Paul. However, I consider my life. I consider my breath. I consider my own being, my own soul, even my own feelings, my own desires, my mind, and my own heart of no costly value, of no preciousness, of no honor to anyone, even including myself. If only I may talio, if only I may culminate, complete, bring to an end, and reach the goal of the course of life, the mission, and complete the assignment, the role the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Come on, we need this attitude tonight, church. We can kill mission drift with this attitude. This is the DCD attitude, and it must be our attitude. We must consider our feelings, men. We must consider our feelings, men, our emotions, men, our desires, men, our own minds as having no costly value to us. We must make it our aim, our highest aim, which we are striving towards to culminate into completion the mission and the assignment that King Jesus has already given us. Any other aim than an all-out pursuit of our individual tasks must be changed. You don't need a new revelation sitting here tonight. You need to run forward to the task that God has already given you. Church, we say no more weary hearts. No more relying on our thoughts, our mind, will, and emotions. No more feelings of insignificance. We will finish the task that Come Christ on. has given us. And we will ask the Lord to light the flame again. Yeah. Let's keep going in Mark 13, picking up in verse 32. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. 
He leaves his house and he puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight, or when the cock crows, or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. We do not know the day or the hour that the Son of Man will come to visit our work, to come and examine the work that's happening in our lives. But when he does, we want to make him proud. Do you want to make him proud, church? Then you need to be on guard against internal opposition. He has left you with an assigned task that you must accomplish. Wake up from your sleep. Wake up and keep watch because our commander will be pleased with our efforts and we will be pleased to burn for him. Nehemiah 4 verse 14 says, after I looked things over, yeah. I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your brothers, your yeah, sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Amen. Listen to this. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall. Each to his own work. Church, don't be afraid tonight if God is revealing the areas of your heart that is succumbing to mission drift. You don't be afraid of it for a moment. Don't be sad, don't be gloomy, don't be let down if God's revealing that to you because he's revealing it to you to lay down at the altar and ask him to burn it up. You don't have the prayer life you want, ask God to light the fire again. You don't have the study of the word that you want, ask God to light the fire again. You're not pastoring your wife like you want, ask God to light the fire again. Don't be afraid. Our king and commander is great and he is awesome. And he has called you, and he is calling you now. Light the fire again. Amen. Come on, fight for your callings, church. Fight for your team. Fight for your children's callings and their children's callings. Come on. We have a stride to catch in this body. And the fire of God is going to fuel us up to speed. Man, since 2002, we've been ramping up the speed. But we still have a stride to catch, church. That's right. And we will be among those soldiers who are listed in the book of Revelation. Don't you worry. You know which soldiers we're talking about. We're talking about the ones in Revelation 12, verse 11, where it's said of them, they defeated him because of the lamb's blood and because of the message of their witness. Even when facing death, they did not cling to life. Church, we will not cling to our lives. We will not cling to our pride. We will not cling to our selfishness. We are going to face the fiery furnaces of death in this life again and again because we know our task. We are loved of our Lord and we don't care a damn about our own lives. The only thing that we want is to finish that task that he gave us. Lord, help us finish that task. I know if we ask him tonight, he will relight that flame in your heart yeah. that you had at the beginning that was supposed to be there from the beginning to help you accomplish the works that he prepared in advance for you. So we have a charge. Actually, you've already been given the charge. The charge is we have three months set for us as a body to actively uproot mission drift, to uproot misplaced priorities, to uproot apathy and other yeah. unnecessary baggage that we are carrying around. We have three months set for us to work on the gates that Messiah will walk through. Three months to ready our lives for examination by the king. Three months to make a monumental turn in our hearts, our collective heart as a church. Three months to build towards changing the world. Three months of rekindling the DCD mindset. Church, we can't accomplish this in our own strength. We can't accomplish this in our own zeal. We can't stir ourselves up enough at an altar to do this. We're going to need the stirring of the Spirit and the cry that says, One more time, Lord. Yeah, stir me time. up to do your will. Light the fire again. You guys need to hear Philippians 1, 3 through 6 again. It says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy 
because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. If you've experienced mission drift, this is the plot of the enemy. To get you far enough away from the call so he can deceive you into thinking that it will not be brought to completion. But we are going to put that to death by asking God to relight the fire again. Church, we are confident that the Lord will carry out this work to completion. He is the author of this body, and he will complete this body's work. What began in 2002 by a stirring of the Spirit is going to culminate in a stirring of the Spirit that calls calls out sons from all over the Middle East and beyond. We are confident of this because we know that God is going to stir up our spirits continually and perpetually light fires in our hearts. And so like Paul, we care nothing for our lives. Because we know he's going to do it again. We have nothing to hold in reserve in regards to accomplishing our task for Christ. Which brings us to Malachi chapter 3 verse 8. Oh yeah. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Are you hearing? You guys have ears to hear tonight? Still breathing? Come on, speak to us. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Church, when mission drift is corrected, and we're not just talking about money, tithes, that'd be silly. When mission drift is corrected and priorities are set in shalom, See what Adonai might do in your life if you call to him tonight. He says, test me in this. See what would, what would happen if we corrected mission drift. Church, we want to tell you tonight that your potential is endless. Everybody in this room, your potential is endless. You might not always feel that way because of what you can see right now, but the truth is you have untapped and unlimited potential in the kingdom. If we would just throw off mission drift. Your final goal is glorious, church. We have all accomplished amazing things by His Spirit, but there is so much more to be had. The last five years have been glorious, and the next five years will be even more glorious. The last three months have been full of fiery trials, constant discipline, and endless sacrifice. And the next three months will be filled with more. And... They will be that much more glorious, church. Unlimited potential. So as I get ready to hand off 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7 to Triester as we come to a close, let me encourage you in this time of worship that we're going to enter into, that this day, July 7th, 2022, you made the turn in your heart, and you remember and mark down that I asked God to light the fire again. I didn't know that I had lost the fire I had at the beginning, but he revealed it to me, and I didn't miss the opportunity to ask him. Like a son would ask his father, one more time. Can we do it one more time? Justin brought up to you, if you feel like your prayer life is not where it needs to be, ask him to light the fire again tonight. If your marriage isn't where it's supposed to be, ask him to light the fire again. If your unity with your team It's not where it needs to be. Ask him to light the fire again, and I promise you he will. But let's go one deeper. Perhaps you're trying to lead a worldwide movement of churches, and you're going to travel and minister to them. I can tell you, ask him to light the fire again, and he will. He'll renew your soul like the day you were 20. He will do it. He will not leave you maimed. He will not leave you weak he will actually strengthen you and your faith in your walk with him but it's as simple as asking him will you relight that fire again it's how we keep from growing cold and it's how we save ourselves from having other priorities that were not derived from heaven it's how we keep ourselves from mission drift and then we get down the road and we turn back and say i did not realize over three months i let all these things fall to the wayside that i once cherished so much 
even the things that you worked hard for, like a marriage, like a child. It could be as simple as a, a friendship that you fought for. And now that relationship, it just doesn't seem like it's worth keeping cultivated. I promise you, if you ask God to relight that fire again, he will. Our last scripture is 2 Timothy 1, 6-7. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Church, this is a reminder tonight. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. We want to end our message with a call. The call tonight is to fan into flame the gifts and call that you already know he has given you. We're not going to run around tonight looking for what is my call? What is my mezuzah? What is this and that? that that's already. We want to fan, fan into flame the gifts that we already know that he's given us and that we've drifted from. Church, tonight, don't be timid. Don't be afraid. Be brave to ask God to light the fire. Many of you, you pray that all the time because you don't really know what you're praying. What we're asking tonight is that God would burn up every other priority in our life and in our hearts so that we are solely dedicated to Him. Don't be timid about that. You can receive the power of God and His fire tonight. Ask Him to renew the DCD spirit. Ask Him to renew the fighting courage to lay down all of your emotions, your wants, your needs, and ask Him to give you an attitude of confidence to stay on task every day. We're going to worship our King. We're going to forget about the time. If this is important to you, the fire of God in your life, then come to the front. And there will be pastors and elders to lay their hands on you so that you can fan into flame the gift of God. But above all, come with an attitude that says, I don't care a damn about what it's going to cost me. I need the fire of God lit in my heart again, Lord. Lord, we ask you right now, Lord, to send down your burning, searing flame to our hearts. Lord, arouse us from our apathy. Arouse us from laziness. Arouse us, Lord. Lord, stir up our spirits again. We cry one more time, Lord. Would you do it again? Lord, give us new hearts and minds in your presence.